Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm thrilled to be here with New York Times bestselling author, Allison Galen. Allison has a book up for nomination for an Anthony starting at BoucherCon this year. The book is called The Collective. Um, it's unlike any book I've ever read. As a matter of fact, it's probably the best book I've read in 10 years. Allison, welcome to Authors on the Air. How are you? I'm fine. I'm feeling better after that wonderful introduction. Thank you oh, so good. much. Oh, I'm so glad. You know, um, I, I want you to tell me what you want the audience to know about this amazing book. Well, okay. So The Collective, um, it's a book about revenge, but it's not just about revenge. It's about all, It's about grief and all the emotions that go into that anger. Um, the basic story of The Collective is uh, a woman, uh, the main character, Camille, her daughter uh, was raped at a frat party um, five years ago. It led to her death. She holds uh, one of the boys who was at the frat party personally responsible. There was a trial. He was exonerated, but really because he's sort of rich and privileged. Um, she hasn't been able to get over it uh, since it's happened. She's basically a shell of a person. She finds solace and perhaps more than that in uh, a group of women that she meets uh, on the dark web known as the collective. They are all women whose children have been taken from them uh, and their perpetrators have gone unpunished. And they may or may not be exacting revenge in very uh, sort of complicated ways. So that's basically what it's about. But it's um, I, I think it's, it's a little more than just sort of a kick-ass revenge story. Uh, I think there are a lot of um, problems with being a vigilante and those things are explored as well. Um, but hopefully it's a good story and a good thriller and, uh, you know, with a story that you will keep you turning the pages. Well, it certainly did that. I've read the book twice. So, uh, you know, just to me, you miss a couple things when you're reading. And I wanted to go back and read it again, particularly because we were speaking today. Um, I, I've always wondered why so many, particularly women, but some men too, are, don't seek revenge they're always victimized in some way or the other. It may be as survivors like Camille is. It may be as victims. So this, and your your subtitle on this, no, no Killer Goes Unpunished, which to me was perfect. Having been a victim of a violent crime myself, I, I understand what, what it's like to want to seek, to be avenged or revenged on that person. I'm always curious where writers get their inspiration from. And it's my understanding that you are kind of a pop culture junkie, but also a news junkie. Was there any one particular story that motivated you or inspired you to write this book? Well, there were several stories. Um, I found more and more often um, I was seeing stories in the news where um, either a perpetrator of a, a crime wasn't found or they got a very light sentence and it's it was usually you know because of privilege or whatever right. my, my 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 thoughts and my emotions always went to the parents of the victim and 
I, I, of course, being a mother myself thought, well, what would I do if I were in that situation? And, you know, my, my first thought is just complete rage and anger and, and, and how, how would you ever get over that rage? So it was just, it was that idea that I wanted to explore. There were, there were so many cases like that in the news when I was sort of coming up with an idea that it just, it, it was just kind of in the, in the, eth in the ethos. There was, um, you know, I think the, the Gabby Petito case was happening around then too. Um, and, uh, and also, um, uh, the, the young man who uh, who just raped that girl at the at the university the the swimmer and now I now I'm drawing a blank on his name no, no I, I know who you're talking about uh, I know the, I know the case where yes. he got his hand slapped yes and and, and, the, and the judge said I didn't want to ruin this poor kid's life you know exactly and I'm like, exactly and, I mean yeah. just being a viewer of of that happening and you know, a mother of, of a young a girl around that age. Sure. I just felt so much rage as a complete stranger. So I could only imagine how right. a parent might feel. So that's really what went into it. it. It was a lot of those stories, a lot of those news stories for whatever reason. Sure. Um, and, I understand yeah. that. Um, but I want to ask you, um, how many books have you completed now? Have you had published? I've had 12 books published at this point. Yeah. Um, when you first started writing, were you excited? Were you scared when you first started? And how did you feel when you finished your first book? And then I want you to look at Collective and tell me how you felt when you started writing it and when you finished writing it. Well, my first book was called Hide Your Eyes. And um, I wrote a version of it that didn't sell. Um, and then I, and I, but I got some really good rejection letters that I, I seemed to, you know, all seemed to say the same thing, which was that the characters were interesting, but the plot wasn't there. So okay. I went and I, I read a whole bunch of mysteries and, you know, life went on. And five years later, I, I came out with a rewrite of this book, found myself an agent, Deborah Schneider, who's my agent to this day. She sold the book. Um, finishing that rewrite I don't know how terribly confident I was but I felt like it sounded more like a mystery than my first draft a million years ago and I felt like okay it feels like a real book so I felt good I don't know whether you ever necessarily feel like you're finished but I do know that when Deborah called and said that I had a two book deal um it was shock and a, a little bit of fear <laughs> can I write another one of these Right. Um, and you know, that, that sort of feeling, I, it was just, uh, just a feeling of, oh my God, I'm a real writer. You know, not, not that you're not a real writer. As long as you're writing, you're a real writer. You're a real writer. Right. Yeah. What a published author. Really, it's, yeah, just, it's exciting. Overjoyed. Um, and yeah. And then I guess with the collective, it was, um, you know, it's sort of the same thing. I always have this amazing feeling when I, when I get done with the first draft of a book and it lasts maybe three days where it's like, <laughs> this is it. Then I think, oh my God, I didn't do this right. I didn't do this. <laughs> so, so then, you know, time for those revisions. <laughs> Has there ever been a time when you've written a book and gone through your edits and everything that you say, okay, this is it. I love it. It's perfect. No. <laughs> oh, um, after I've gone through the edits. Well, I, I think 
I, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I was, I went to graduate school um, at, for journalism at Columbia. One of my professors there was Judith Christ, and she said that uh, she said something that really stuck in my mind. And she said that you know, a real writer is never done editing right. their work you can see your book in print and think, oh God, there's a repeated word or, oh, why did I do that? What, what's going on? So I, I don't think anything's ever finished. I think it's going, it's as good as it's going to be in that moment. And you have to just, you got to let it go. Got to park the car and get out. You know, <laughs> That's way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> what have you learned about yourself from book one to now book 12? Hmm. I think, I've developed a much thicker skin, I believe. Um, I, I've always, I mean, I think, you know, being in, in journalism, you know, from when I first sort of graduated college and, and having editors that sat over me saying, this is horrible. This is the worst thing I've ever read. Um, I've always had a bit of a thick skin from then, but I also right. feel like, you know, I, I feel like the joy of writing is rewriting and the ability to rewrite. There's not much you can completely change about yourself, but you can completely change your book. So I, I find rather than a frustration in that, in that it isn't perfect, I find a freedom in that. Like, oh, I can go in all sorts of different directions. Um, I, I, I have more of a, a faith in my own ability to sort of improve on something that might not be perfect the first time out and um less less getting discouraged and more sort of if not enjoying the process because it's an often miserable process then having faith that there is a light at the end of the tunnel it's always interesting to me when i speak to writers who you know feel like they explain like they're being dragged through the mud on the back of a chain hooked to a big pickup truck. That's the process for them. You know, it's very painful. The interesting thing is that you're in the entertainment business. Your, your books are meant to, for us to enjoy. And, and by all means I have with this one. So the dichotomy is interesting to me, but you mentioned something earlier that, click something with me. Do you have to be a reader to be a writer? Yes, I definitely. I mean, I don't know. I've, I have met writers that say, you know, I don't read, I, I don't read in my genre. I don't read, or I don't read at all, <laughs> you know, or, or, or my inspirations have all come from films. Now, if your inspiration all comes from films, that's a completely different medium. Um, when you're watching a film, you're it, just by the nature of what it is, you're removed from it. The only thing you experience when you're watching a film is is visual that's it you're right sound sound and visual um when you're writing a book you need to completely immerse yourself in that world just because you want your reader to identify with the character so you're as as often as possible you're writing with all five senses and if you're not used to looking at other mediums where you see people doing that then i'm not sure how you're able to just spontaneously do that you know uh, but you know, to each his own. To me, right. I've learned so much from reading books, both in and out of my genre, so much in terms of structure, so much in terms of just style and, and what right. you can get away with and what you can't get away with. Good. And books that I've loved, books that I haven't loved. Um, I, I love to read. And and usually people start writing because they love to read. They, they, love, to wanna, read. they love hearing a good story. They want to tell one. Right. Yeah, yeah. So... 
by and large, yeah, I think you do. You should. I would, because I don't think everybody takes classes for creative writing. I don't think it, maybe they do, but it's, I don't think so. So I would imagine how do you learn to put together a book to understand, um, you know, where the, the story arcs go and, and so on. So it just makes sense to me. Now I read a lot, but I could never write a book. I, I just don't have it in me. So I think it's an innate talent. <laughs> well, I think it's an innate talent that you have. So um, I, I, I want to, you started off in journalism. So journalism, and I also was a journalism and English major. Um, journalism kind of teaches you to write with economy. Did it yes. help you when you were writing novels? Yes, um, I, I in a lot of ways. Uh, yes, it does teach you to write um, on, uh, you know, with economy. It teaches you that something can always be improved. It teaches you to stay focused on what your purpose is, which is, I mean, in journalism, it's off, it's relaying information, but it's always telling a story, you know. It's not going off on tangents, beautiful tangents, you know, yeah, unless that adds to the story. So yes, it teaches you to write with economy. It teaches you to write on deadline and it teaches you not to be madly in love with your own words so much that they can't be changed. Interesting. Yeah. I never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, do you have something in the pipeline? Have you written your next book? Well, actually right now, yes, I'm, I am working on two books, which is, you know, wow. a, a blessing it occurs. So um, I'm working on another for craziness. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I'm working on another standalone. Um, I sort of finished a draft of that and put it aside. And now um, because I have a deadline on my next book, which is um, the next book in the Sunny Randall series for right. Robert, the Robert Parker books. Yes. So that's a real interesting and in, in experience for me to write in sort of someone else's voice with their characters. Um, it's been, I love these characters and it's, it's very exciting for me, um, but it's very different than my own book. So it's, a, it's been a real experience. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, and that is due kind of late-ish, mid to late November, uh, the first draft of it. So so that's sort of what I'm in the thick of at the moment. So I have another question, speaking of voice, but it's really about dialogue. Um, I know a lot of times when writers are doing dialogue, it's a very grammatically correct. But in real life, most of us don't speak in a gra grammatically correct way, particularly if we're discussing a topic with a friend. So you and I may not speak grammatically the, what you would write in your book. Do you ever go back and read your dialogue and check yourself? Sometimes I do. Um, I feel like there's a rhythm to dialogue. It's yes. um, when you're, uh, especially when you're writing suspense or crime fiction and that type of genre, you're really focused on pacing all the time. And so a lot of times um, you, uh, or I go back over things and um, and just sort of try and work with the rhythm of, of a conversation. Um, also, people don't always say what they mean in real life and in books. And Correct. I think you need to focus on that. So that's kind of a fine line. You have to sort of get across what the purpose of a conversation is and how people are sort of feeling about each other and, and everything through this dialogue. Um, but without 
you know, without sort of confusing people either without, sure. you know, people saying, what are they, what are they even talking about? What are so, they talking about? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I, I think most dialogue scenes could use a polish after you, after you finish them. Pet peeve when you're writing, what's your speed bump when you're, when you're writing? Well, what do I least like to write? Is that what, I mean, I feel like, um, descriptions have always, you know, long descriptions of, of places have always kind of, you always tripped me up in the past until I realized that when you're describing a scene, it's more about the person describing it rather than the, the setting itself. So if I'm in a room, I'm going to notice different things about that room than what you're noticing about that room. You know, like I could look at, you know, your bookshelf and, and there might be a book that I pick out on there that, you know, that you might not necessarily. Um, right. So um, so what someone notices about a room is another opportunity to explore character. And when I started thinking in that way, it made the description a little less torturous <laughs> writing these descriptions. Sure. Yeah. Now, I, I know you're also a, a voracious reader. When I've spoken to you before, we've talked about all the people whose books you, the women particularly, who you love to read. Yeah. Is there something while you're reading that trips you up that's your speed bump? While I'm reading a book? Yeah. Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, I always say that, you know, people talk about unlikable characters, which always you know, we're all likable and unlikable. And un unlikable, exactly. Yeah. The, but the only characters that I really, I genuinely find unlikable are the ones without flaws, the perfect ones, you know, right. the ones that because never who among us. Yeah. I'm like, just boy, right. you annoy me. Right. <laughs> so, right. so that to me is what, well, I mean, you know what, I think what I, what I love about books or what will turn me off of a book always has to do with characters. You know, that seems to be the main sort of thing that that keeps me going is my own attachment or detachment. You know, I'm detaching yeah. the yeah. book. So. so your next book is coming out next year in the Parker uh, selection there. And you have another one that you've set aside. Will yeah. that also come next year? I think so. I think it'll be, it'll either be late next year or early the following year. So, uh, yeah. Is it a year long <laughs> process for you to write? Is it a year long process? I'm sorry. Yes. Um, yes. It, it, it's, it's genuinely, like I say, nine months to a year, but it's like the first, um, like say it's a year, <laughs> the first nine months of that, I'm usually writing the first hundred pages and the last three months I'm writing the last 200 pages. Do you know what I'm saying? So oh. it's like, it takes me a long time to sort of get the ball rolling, figure out characters, especially when I'm writing standalones. Uh, it hasn't been as hard. That hasn't been as hard in writing the Parker book because he already did the heavy lifting for me. Rest right. Me. <laughs> so, uh, so that's good. But in terms of writing my own books, it takes me a while to sort of get around things. And I'm changing characters. I change characters' names a million times because, you know. How do you choose names, by the way? It's an interesting thought. Well, it tells you about an, a character's upbringing, right? When you when you have their name. So it's like. And sometimes it does, yes. Yeah. If a character's named Moonbeam, it tells you more about Moonbeam's parents than Moonbeam. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it would be interesting to have a character named Moonbeam who is like a, you know, a corporate lawyer, you know, because they right. didn't make themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it kind of, it tells you about the world they grew up in, you know? And well, that's true. Uh, you yeah, know, I never thought about that, but yes, you're right. 
Yeah, yes, that's an interesting point. I want to, I'm not, not going to take any more of your valuable time. First of all, I want to wish you the best of luck for in at BoucherCon for the Anthony's. I am so voting for you. Aww. I will say that right now. And I hope I see you there. Yes. And, um, you know, it, it'll be fun. And tell listeners where and, and viewers where they can find you on the web. Oh, it's um, www.allisongalen.com is my website. Um, I'm also on Instagram, allison.galen. Um, I'm on Facebook, which I think is just, oh, Allison Galen author. And I'm on Twitter is at Allison Galen. It's, it's good having a last name that's a little unusual because I- That is, and, and by the yeah. way, Allison is with one L, so- uh, <laughs> Yeah, one L. That's also the just- name is quite common. <laughs> I want you to go and get the book. It's called The Collective. It's sold everywhere. I 100% recommend this book. If I could give it 10 stars when I review, I would. It is my favorite book in the past 10 years. Honest to God, I've read it twice already. Allison, thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, I hope I see you soon. And yeah. you'll come back, won't you? And hey, oh. maybe you'll guest host one day. I would love that. That sounds wonderful. It's so there great talking to you, Pam. And thank you it's so, so much. Great. It's words. my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, listeners. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later.